You are wonderful, you are wonderful, 
your arms and God I run into your arms unashamed because of mercy I'm Amen. Good morning, San Marino Community Church. How are you doing? Ah, come on. That's the best I got. Is that the best you got? Good morning, San Marino Community Church. There you go. Now, I want to welcome up here someone who's going to be doing giving back for the first time with me. His name is Zach Lopez. So if you could give him a big round of applause for saying yes. So, uh, yeah, I have a couple things down here I just thought I'd carry up here for absolutely no apparent reason. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I forgot my props. Oh, there you go. So you need that. I need this. I, I don't know if I can hold all this. So our vi- okay. So to, to start out, our vision. We always like to say what our vision here is at the church because there are some first-time visitors here who say, what, what is this church all about? We have a very cool vision. It was not written by a committee. It just wasn't. It was written by Jesus Christ. So we think that's just really cool. Uh, the vision is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I encourage you to memorize that vision. And if anyone says, what's San Marino Community Church about? You can say, this is the vision. Now, uh, uh, there's more to it. We have guiding principles, and you can check those out on the website. But we want to welcome you and let you know that our number one purpose today is to love God and to love you. So with that, pick up the fellowship pad. It's on the end of one of the ends of your aisle. And uh, so that means hold it up if you found one. There you go. That's what you're looking for. And if you could start filling your name out in there, hand it down. And what the cool thing about this is you can get to know your neighbor's name by, by peeking. And then after you do that, you can hand it back down the aisle and then afterward walk up to them and say, hey, John, and scare them to death because you know their name. So that's the idea. All right. So um, why are you holding a wiffle ball? Are you going to preach today and knock it out of the park? Or is that the plan with the baseball you got here? <laughs> I don't think so. No. Not today. Okay, hold uh, on. Hold on. Let me try that again. I'm going to say that exact same joke and you know what to do. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so why are you holding a wiffle ball? Is that because you're going to knock it out of the park with a sermon today? Hey. Yeah. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, uh, I'm holding this bat because next week we're doing something pretty fun. Right behind us at Valentine's School, it's the community get-together. Uh, basically what it is is it's a baseball game. You know, it's America's pastime. We're celebrating kind of the wrap-up of summer. Uh, but if you don't play baseball, don't worry. You can still come out and participate. We you got- could get in the dunk tank. We got a dunk tank. So that would be a comfortable a way to participate in a new event if you're new. <laughs> you know, it's a great way tank. to cool off. <laughs> uh, we also have face painting for the kids, Dodger dogs, you know, snacks and refreshments for everybody. So, um, you know, come out and, uh, you know, if you have anyone who may not be in the community or may not come to the church, uh, in your program today, we put one of these little flyers. So um, take them, hand them out. I'm sure on the way out, you're going to be force-fed about five more, so take some more. Give them to anyone interested. Zeke, you're going to help me hand them out at the end, right, to people? Will you? All right, cool. Thank you. Give a hand for Zeke, everybody. Just cheer him on. Thank you, Zeke. Love you, brother. Good job, Zeke. Maybe Glenn will help him out with that. So, okay, so uh, we have next – okay, so they come to the community get-together next Saturday – 
And the, maybe they'll come to church if it's their first time experiencing And they'll come, and if they come to worship next week, they might stay afterward and attend our TED Talk. Do you know what a TED Talk is? Do you guys know what a TED Talk is? Yeah. Have you heard of the ones that are at churches? Never. That's because there never have been any. Um, th- this, this is the first one ever, and uh, Kara Roberts will be one of our TED Talk people. Uh, we're going to have the thank you, and uh, I'm nominating a few others. To th- okay, so the idea is four people from the Thailand mission trip and four people from the Africa mission trip will both be um, giving five, will all be giving five-minute presentations or talks about how their heart has been transformed through the experience or how they've thought differently, just like a t- real TED Talk. So we hope that you stay after worship in this room next week for the TED Talks. And you've been to Africa. You're, you're, he works for, uh, he helps run an organization called Han Schneider uh, that has charities in Africa and in North Korea and in, in Guata- Guatemala? or Cambodia. Cambodia. Well, <laughs> it's a suburb of Guatemala, I think. <laughs> yeah, right outside. So... <laughs> So anyway, you've been to Africa on your trips, and you could say, absolutely. I they, mean, these these trips are life changing. Um, you know, I've been there four or five different times, uh, both to Cambodia and Tanzania, and the love you feel from the kids, the you know, the love of Christ that that grows in you, uh, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm sure these people are going to have just unbelievable stories to tell. So you should really come out and check it out. Get to know Zach too after worship if you get a chance. He's an amazing guy. He he. He had this opportunity to work in big corporate America, and he decided to instead step away from all of the benefits that would come with that. And you have given years of your life to serving children in, in Six different years. Countries. Six years of your life. <laughs> yep. So we love you for that. Thank so, um, yeah, so we're, we're doing good. So I have a question for you. Yeah, I was just wondering if you we're, did. We're playing baseball. Yes. Why do you have a football? Well, football, right, because of kickoff Sunday, which has absolutely nothing to do with football. But I was hoping that Chris Schmoke would be here. He's not. He must still be in Connecticut with his family. I'm hoping that this would be the first kickoff Sunday where we could actually have the kicker from the local football team kick a football over the church. Does that sound awesome? <laughs> For no apparent reason. And that's what kickoff Sunday is about. There's no reason. It's just we just have a barbecue because we like to have fun. So, um, uh, and if the kicker's not here, I'll try to kick a football over the church at <laughs> kickoff Sunday. So you want to make sure the kicker's here. So, but ne- it's our first Sunday when we start our services back at nine o'clock in the morning. So as wonderful Christians, we celebrate that we're getting up an hour earlier. Absolutely. Isn't that sound about right? Absolutely. And then we do that by eating. So this is just exactly how weird we are. So th- that's kickoff Sunday. And yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. On the 30th, August 30th. So it's the last Sunday of the month. Mark your calendars. And a big barbecue afterward and tons of fun. So, Absolutely. And now it's time for the uh, children to stand up. Kiddos, let's get up. And it's that time for you guys. I know you've been watching the clock. It's your time to get out of here. Let's parents, let's give them a hand. And now adults, you're not done. It's time for you guys to stand up, introduce yourself to your neighbors, high five the ones you Say don't hi. know, and hug Say, the ones you that you do. How you doing, brother? <laughs> that was fun. Thank you.
stand together as we continue to worship God. And the words say, you are good. You are good. Even when there's nothing good in me. And he is love. He is love on display for all to see. He is a light. The light when the darkness closes in in our hearts. And he gives us hope because he has covered all of our sins. Lord, we sing that you are good. You are good, you are good when there's nothing good. You are love, you are love on display for all to see. You are light, you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship, we adore you. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you that you accept us as we are, that we can run to you, Lord, even when we're weak, when we're, we're strong, when we're joyful, when we're sad, when we're hurting, Lord, we can come to you because you are a faithful God. That even when I'm not good, Lord, when my heart is hardened, you are good. Even when my heart is dark, you are the light that shines, Lord. We praise you and we thank you for your goodness. And we love you and we want to give you all the glory and honor and praise. Amen. I tell you, the Virginia Road Band sounds better every time I hear them. Aren't they fabulous? You know, uh, through the summer, we've been working through the Ten Commandments. Wait a minute before I trip. Uh, And uh, this week is the ninth week of that series. So we're on the Ninth Commandment this morning. And, uh, you know, we're just about to begin a new school year, and this time of year is always a time of new beginning for me. Uh, September always brings sort of new commitments and uh, a chance to, to figure out how to put life together in a new way. So this morning, we're going to put life together in a new way by looking at an old way of doing it. You shall not... Bear false witness against your neighbor. The ninth commandment. And it reminds us that it's actually kind of difficult to get to the truth. It's not easy. Getting to the truth may take some work. Now, I want to uh, remind you of a movie that was talking about truth that may be familiar to you. There's a little clip that I want to show you of a courtroom scene. And in this courtroom scene from a movie, uh, A Few Good Men, Tom Cruise is challenging a Marine Corps general. Okay. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. There you have it. How many of you remember that movie? You can't handle the truth. Now, in this language, in the Ninth Commandment, clearly it's a courtroom kind of language. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. It envisions a courtroom not unlike this. And in fact, in, often in courtrooms, there's an imbalance of power. Here you have this Marine Corps general and this young Navy officer challenging him. There's an imbalance in the power dynamic. And this commandment is meant to, to ensure that in the imbalances of life, the truth is told. The truth, if it's not told, can be so damaging. False witnesses can have so much 
negative impact, not only in people's lives, but uh, in justice, in what we share together in community. So clearly this is a problem of perjury in a courtroom scene. It includes that. Now, if you've been watching the news over the summer, over the last year, you know that there's a lot of conversation going on in the public arena about police officers wearing cameras, right? There's an effort to make sure that we don't have to rely upon people's testimonies because we can't really rely upon people's testimonies. What happens? You get a police report and the police report says that the black man was charging me and I shot and killed him, though he was unarmed. And then somewhere later, a video appears that this man's actually running away from the police officer. Or in another case, a victim of harassment uh, by a police officer claims that she was just minding her own business and this police officer escalated the situation and then out comes an audio tape that the officer had that shows that actually it was the victim who escalated the situation. Not the officer. The officer acted professionally. You can see what happens in a society when witnesses are no longer true. But they spin the story for their own purpose, for their own reasons. Perhaps you saw in the uh, paper this week an article about Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is funding... Uh, studies which show that obesity in American society really doesn't have anything to do with our diets, has everything to do with exercise. Why? Because they want you drinking sugary drinks, <laughs> right? And some of the cities that have imposed laws on uh, large gulp glasses and all that kind of stuff, they're trying to push against that. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, every one of us, I'm sure, can remember a time in your own life, perhaps, I hope, when you were a child, where you had to come to grips with the fact that lying is not a good idea. Uh, if there were 10 commandments in our family life, right at the top of the list was, you shall not lie. And our kids always knew that if you didn't tell the truth when you got caught doing something, you would be in much greater trouble for lying than for whatever it was that you happened to do. Now, on one occasion, our daughter was young, six years old, and her uh, sister ratted her out on something. And so I had a pretty good idea of what happened. And I needed to confront my daughter about the truth of this. So I asked her what happened. And she began to spin a yarn. And it wasn't that I needed to know the truth. I had a pretty good idea of what the truth was, but she needed to tell the truth. So when I started poking holes in her story, she realized uh, the lie was crumbling. And even at six years old, she had to figure out a way out of backing out of this without getting into further trouble. And so all of a sudden she said, wait a minute, it's, it's coming to me. It's, it's, it's like in a dream. <laughs> I thought, man, how clever for a six-year-old to come up with that, you know. Telling the truth. It's so important. John Calvin said about the ninth commandment, 
that it is a protection of both our honor and our property. He writes, to this prohibition, the command is linked that we should faithfully help everyone as much as we can affirming the truth in order to protect the integrity of his name and possessions. So not only is it a courtroom scene that's envisioned with this command, but what do we say behind one another's backs? It's easy to undermine somebody's name and integrity by passing on a juicy bit of rumor. A mere allegation behind somebody's back, it's impossible to confront, it's impossible to contradict. Take, for example, a young man who's trying to make his way in the corporate world. He's up for a promotion, but he doesn't get it. So he goes to his supervisor and he says, I want to know, why, why did you pass me over for the promotion? And the supervisor takes a look at him and he says, well, it's hard to say. But I guess maybe those rumors about your drinking problem may have helped. And the young man says, drinking problem? I don't have a drinking problem. The supervisor kind of looks him over, says, well, maybe somebody started that rumor just to keep you from getting the job. It's hard to tell about rumors. Now, I know that kind of thing happens in our world. But for the people of God, telling the truth is at the very core of who we are. Honesty is expected and commanded. The Hebrew word that is used in the Deuteronomy uh, outline of the Ten Commandments is a word that talks about, it's the same word that's used earlier in the Ten Commandments where it says, don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Don't take it as empty. And in other words, it says, it's not only lies, but empty, careless testimony that's prohibited in this command. Without truth, you can't create or preserve any system or administration of justice. Distortion, slanting the facts, misrepresentation, they're all forms of deception that are prohibited in this commandment. There are all these stories in the Bible that illustrate how bad things can get when you lead deception and you tell untruths. The story of Naboth's vineyard, where Jezebel and Ahab steal someone's land because it's close to theirs and they have the power. Or the story of David and Bathsheba and Uriah. Or... The story of uh, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Lots of stories about what happens when we don't tell the truth. Now this week, uh, another story that came out was the story of former President Jimmy Carter, who uh, apparently has liver cancer and um, acknowledged that to the press and will be undergoing treatment. Jimmy Carter, as a president, he's a Southern Baptist. He was known for his Christian convictions, and he was known to be remarkably honest as a politician. So uh, the reporters kind of uh, 
were fascinated with this. And on one occasion, one particularly aggressive female reporter approached his mother, Miss Lillian. And uh, she said, is it true that your son doesn't lie? Can you tell me that your son never told a lie? Well, replied Miss Lillian, Lillian in that southern uh, brogue of hers, I, I reckon he might have told a little white lie. Well, replied the reporter, I thought you said he didn't lie. Are you telling me now that a white lie is different than a black lie? Just what do you mean by a white lie anyway? Well, drawled Miss Lillian, do you remember when you came in here this morning and I told you how nice you looked and how glad I was to see you? <laughs> you see, telling the truth is more than simply stating the facts. It's about authenticity. Truth comes in meaning wrapped in reality. It comes in packages that are bigger than simply statements about mere facts. Now imagine if somebody told you, you know, I saw Reverend O'Grady this week having lunch with a beautiful young woman and he seemed to be enjoying himself thoroughly down at the local restaurant. Now, those facts may be true. But if they left out the fact that that's my wife, Lynn, <laughs> it would lead you to a different conclusion. So Martin Luther, when he looks at this commandment, claims the commandment to not bear false witness calls us to put the best construction on all that we hear about our neighbors. Ephesians in the New Testament would go on to put it this way. Speak the truth in love. Put away falsehood. Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are all members of one another. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Speak the truth in love. Now, I've got a great friend, a Lutheran pastor. With respect to that text, he likes to say, honesty without kindness is cruelty. But kindness without honesty is just mere sentimentality. You need both. You need both. Speaking the truth in love requires both poles in order to preserve one another's integrity and one another's reputations. Within the community of faith, we must avoid any sort of slander or backbiting, any speaking that destroys another's reputation or character. That's what's at the heart of this commandment. So the truth... The truth. Is it merely subjective? Do we all have our own truth or is there some objective truths about which we can agree? There's another trial. Not unlike the one we saw earlier from a few good men. 
This one is from a recent production of the Bible. And like that first clip, it represents a complete power imbalance. But not as you might think. Let's show this second video. Watch the screen. So, tell me who you are. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you asking? Or is it a question coming from others? Are you a king? That's what your own people and chief priest tell me you claim to be. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight my arrest. My kingdom is from another place. You are a king, then. You say that I am a king. I have been born and come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Truth? What is truth? Pilate's question to Jesus, what is truth? Is it rhetorical question? Was it uh, in some way an attempt to be condescending? Was he suggesting that all truth is relative so he could wash his hands of some discernment in this moment? The trial of Jesus, this mock trial, this kangaroo court, sought to find people who would give false testimony. And Jesus, in his response, seems to say, truth is not so much a thing or a what. Truth is a who. In fact, in the Gospel of John, he's recorded as saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. In the prologue of John, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have come to know grace and truth. Jesus does more than bring facts into our lives. He brings truth. And at the core of who we are, when Christ is part of our life, That truth becomes part of who we are and sets us free. So let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. Put away all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, 
wrangling, slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So this week, as you go into this new beginning of this new year, be aware of when you or someone else is saying something about another person that seeks to call into question their character or their integrity. Don't pass off rumors unsubstantiated. Use what you say. Use your words to speak the truth in love. Let us pray together. Loving God, we do come before you. We come before you because we know that we have not always spoken the truth. That when it is in our interest, we sometimes find ourselves slighting, misrepresenting, leading others astray as to what the truth is. We thank you that you are truth and that you help us to face the truth about ourselves in the light of your truth. So by your grace and by your love for us, O Lord, help us not to bear false witness against our neighbors, but to speak the truth in love. For we pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.
Without you, we are nothing, Lord, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, with all of our hearts and all of our souls, we worship and we adore you. And we continue to worship you as we give to you our tithes and offerings, Lord, as a thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord, for all that you've given us. And at this time, I'd like to invite the ushers up to receive this morning's offerings. We thank you, Lord, for what we have. Lord, we give what we have to you, Lord. You are nothing 
Without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I'm nothing. So with all my heart and all my soul, with all I am, Lord, I will follow you. You took. Took my shame, restored my life. Now I live to worship you. Without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I'm nothing. Let's pray together. Search our hearts and our souls, O gracious and merciful God. Help us to be loyal to our neighbors and do nothing to damage their reputation. Show us the log in our own eye when we find a speck in their eye. Make us more ready to forgive than to judge and always view the actions of others in the most favorable light. Lord, deliver us from our tendency to nurture perceived slights and to put hot coals to our anger. Deliver us from all tendencies to take advantage of others for personal gain. Wean us from negativity and from becoming bitter, whether or not we think we are justified in our feelings. Deliver us from all too human and common tendency to gossip about others and to slander them in any way. And Lord, deliver us from carrying malice in our hearts and from giving into anything that would poison relationships with others. Give us consistent kindness and compassion for others. Keep us always tender-hearted even when the world delivers difficult blows and setbacks to us. Lord, teach us once again about your redeeming grace in order that we may learn however slowly and however tentatively How to forgive others. Remind us that we are among your forgiven and beloved community. And so Lord, we present to you all who have special need of your grace today. Keep them in your gracious care in so far as you are able to use all of us to make their burdens lighter. Lord, be with those who are at war and who are victims of war. And grant us, grant us, Lord, a peaceful world. We pray all these in your Son's mighty name, our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.
Let's stand together as we sing of the wide grace and love of our Heavenly Father. May we go from this place loving people with that kind of love. Wide is your love and grace. Wide is your love and grace. 